true. She was impressive, though. I'll say dude, that. Dude, for real. Dude, man, you turned her on to me. I was just like, oh, shit, dude. Aaron She's Blanchfield. a beast, dude. But, you know, Entrage took that shit on short notice, too. So I just got to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say I, that. I yeah. going to say that. But did you so, did you see that she was kind of like, she wasn't even scared of the power. It was fucking crazy. Well, I mean, like, again, Andrade is strong, but she is up in weight than where she yeah. normally made her dominant but man, showing she at, fucking so. fought at 35 dude holy shit can you believe that she's such a little I mean, powerhouse <laughs> well especially like what's good about these more of these weight divisions becoming available to these fighters is that they could now there's more down. opportunities open to them yeah so so that's good but anyway how, how have you been you know i want to oh, apologize man. Missing last week's recording. A shout out to my boy Tanu. You guys can find him at Tanu Blank Space on Instagram. Hey, uh, Thursday morning, he hits me up. It goes, "What the fuck, man? No new podcast episode." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm oh, sorry, bro." And other people have noticed as well. Um, scheduling and health stuff with me was one of the was the like the main reason why I missed out last week. So our my apologies to our loyal listeners. Uh, I'll try not to let that happen again. But in the meantime, how's training been going for you, Sean? It was good. I trained a little bit last week uh, when we didn't uh, record. And my scheduling thing was kind of weird because uh, we're in the middle of a move. So we're, you know, we're moving around at the moment as we speak. So uh, this is going to be the last episode here in this uh, studio space that I've been in for about almost two years. So hey. this is a special Mighty Beast podcast. But uh, training was good, man. Um, just getting you honing in on your game plan. You're a little bit starting to feel good. Okay. Yeah. And I've been training that, with let's the, remind our listeners that Sean is participating in the jujitsu world league in April, mm -hmm. making his return to competition. So we're, we're keeping tabs on how his training is going. Yeah. So, uh, I, I've been training with a, a bunch of the higher belts and, uh, it feels good. I, I trained with, uh, coach Rocky over there at, uh, golden pizza. Uh, he taught me this really cool, uh, move that I've been, that I actually got to use on him. I, I know he's going to listen to this and, and oh. Because we laughed, we laughed when you, I pulled it on him, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit, that's you all broke you, the man. unwritten rule." It's like if someone shows you a move, you're not supposed, <laughs> not to, supposed do to do it. All the person <laughs> that showed it to you, damn, yeah. Sean, you he must be Sean must be in competition mode because he is not giving a fuck. Nah, Rocky's <laughs> good just, for you, Sean. He's pretty good though. Man. No, um, he's been in, he's been in the game for a while, so Rocky knows what he's doing. So yeah, the uh, training's been good. I haven't really trained this week, obviously because of the move, but uh, excited to get back next week. All right. Good for you, man. I've been um I've been a little bit off because of my schedule with my family. I haven't been able to really train in a lot of jujitsu this week, but I am very optimistic that I'll be able to jump into jujitsu class tomorrow. So Professor Mateus, don't worry, I'll hopefully I, I'm eighty-five point seven percent sure I'll be there tomorrow morning for <laughs> class. So just hold out for me, hold out for me. Uh and I've been busy getting my fighter Matt Cox. Uh, you guys Mac. can follow him. Shout out, Matt. Yeah, shout out, Matt. Uh, you guys can follow him on Instagram, matt.oma. Um, we're going to the United States Muay Thai Federation, the Nationals, next week in Denver. So I've been getting ready for that. And I want to shout out uh, Maya Gibson. Uh, you guys could find her on Instagram. It's maya.g26. She mm. made her amateur Muay Thai debut two weekends ago for the legends Muay Thai promotion here in San Francisco. She won her, her premiere, her uh, debut fight by split decision. Congratulations, Congrats, Maya. Maya. She's someone to look out for because she's, she's a tough fighter. She's one of those 
fighters that already knows her range. Like she doesn't get tangled up a lot in exchanges. Yeah. She knows her range with her long punches. And she's actually one of those fighters that could throw medium length knees without having to clinch. So uh, shout out to her coach, Ray Ray Valetti, our guy for, uh, who heads up Grind Ambition out in Concord. Uh, he's got a good one over there. And so we're looking forward to some, for a bright fighting future for Maya. And oh, and also shout out to all the uh, fighters from Pacific Ring Sports that participated in the Point Muay Thai two weekends ago at the yeah. same event. They all won their matches. Shout out to Coach Andrew who cornered them. You guys could follow him on Instagram, Southpaw Cap. So lot, lots of shout outs I wanted to get out, get out of the way before we jumped into things. So, But it was a, it was a good two weeks since I've been gone. <laughs> nice. how, was, uh, how was coaching over at the uh, Legends? It, it was fun. You know, I'll, every new promotion, sometimes it takes them a while before they get everything organized. And this time, the Legends promoters, they held the event at the Regency Ballroom downtown on yeah. Van Ness in San Francisco. And everything was Sick. running pretty smoothly. Uh, we didn't have to worry about where the ice is. Um, the event, I think only if... As an amateur event, I think it only ran about an hour, hour and a half late, which oh. is not bad for a second <laughs> Wait, event. Wait, late? I thought or, you meant an hour and a half like total. I was like, oh, that's good. No, no, no. no. But, but, but I'll say this, though. Once the <laughs> fight started, they, they were moving. Oh, they were moving. They, they had to moving. move. That's why. Although I'll say this. I don't think any event needs two intermissions. So <laughs> I'll just. Yeah. But I know why they do it, because these things are staffed by, you know, Mostly Volunteers. like friends, family, yeah. students, and it's not staffed by a lot of people. So these, these folks need breaks. Yeah. So they need time to like use the bathroom, to eat, you know, replenish, kind of recharge, yeah. just shut down for like, like 10 minutes and then come back in there. But um, some great fights on that card, great, good amateur Muay Thai action. So congratulations to Legends Promotions. Uh, hopefully you guys will get, be able to get another show in San Francisco later this year it'd be exciting dude, to participate in good. that one as well do you remember when they used to hold it outside yeah like, like out, right like, out let's in see, front of sometimes uh, city right hall. outside of city hall yeah. yeah city hall or sometimes like right in the like in the middle of the tenderloin like in one of the middle streets right there yeah yeah dude one time i photographed <laughs> uh one of the events and this poor girl had to fight mariam nakamoto and this was full oh. Muay Thai rules, and Ouch. she was able to use elbows, and oh my god, it was a bloody mess. Guys, bloody, if you don't know, Miri Nakamoto is like old school, tough Bay Area Muay Thai oh, yeah. champion. <laughs> that is that is not a fun assignment, no. having to fight Miriam. <laughs> also, Kai, I, I also saw Kai Hollenbeck, I think it was a spinning back elbow somebody a, while, a few years ago. Good lord. Oh man, and Kai Hollenbeck was one of those Muay Thai fighters that had a previous background in martial arts. I believed he had a uh, a background in a, a style of karate. Mm. I forgot which one, but you could see it in his movements because he had a little bit of the bounce in his step, a little bit of herky-jerky yeah. entries. Really tough fighter that guy was. Didn't he also fight MMA just a little bit? You know, I think when he went over to Combat Sports Academy yeah. out in Dublin, I think he did do MMA. I'm not sure though. I can't, I can't tell you for sure. Don't quote me on that. If anybody knows, hit me up on Instagram, Hopkey one, let me know. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So what about the, the, the news that's been coming out lately? Hmm. Um, just, just to kind of start things on a light note, bare knuckle fighting championship 
has signed Luke Rockhold and Eddie Alvarez to join their roster. What? I didn't <laughs> yeah, know that. And, and I think uh, our boy Luke Rockhold is fighting our other boy, Mike Perry. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, good, even, that's a great fight. I But, I mean, aren't they in, like, two way different weight divisions? Yeah, but Mike I mean, Perry's... I might be wrong. I think Mike Perry's... Like, he would be the one that's coming up, though, for sure. So he'd be eating the double cheeseburger, yeah. so he'd kind of approach the same rate as Luke Rockhold. You know, there's so no, I, there's, is there any, like, drug testing rules out in B, BKFC? That's a good question. I don't <laughs> know. I think a lot of times it's up to the State Athletic Commission, but I think the short answer is no. Mm. You know, the UFC out of their own pocket, hires USADA to test their fighters. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure BKFC has a budget to no, hire no, any no. like anti-doping agency to do their thing. So yeah. who knows? I mean, as Sean likes to say, there might be a lot of juicy, juicy fruit going beef, on fruit. over at Bare Knuckle Fighting Champ. Hey, I'm not saying anything for sure. We're just talking shit here, guys. It's late at night. What you want? They should just call it the Juicy Fighting Championship. Yeah. Do you think BKFC is now the kind of refuge for ex UFC fighters. Cause it used to be Bellator. Well, dude, Remember we used paying, to talk like, Hey, you know, money, maybe man. if they get, I mean, Hey, if you could make that, make that money and get your paycheck clears. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. I well, think it's a good outlet. Of, yeah. 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 And anyway, speaking of former UFC fighters, uh, Darren Till asked for his release from the UFC. Yeah. And he was granted it. He was granted it. Uh, he was on a bad run. What was he like? One in five, his last six fights. Yeah. Is that right? Just about. What do you think about that? I think it, it it has to do with his weight class. Like the guy was never really uh, a true middleweight to begin with, and then yeah, because he, he know, started he did, at welterweight, yeah, he and then he went up to middleweight. I think uh -huh. the the fame kind of just got to him or something, man. But he. Do you think it was up. just sometimes? I don't know. I think it was like, fast track too quick though. Ah, that I think that you was know? going to be my next. He's already question. fighting Tyron Woodley. Like he was fed to two big names, yeah. big names too soon. Didn't he get arm, head and arm choked or something like that, or Darst? Or, no, he got Darst. Hey, got man. Darst. Hey, legit. But uh, but I, I remember, like, I think didn't you call something like this? You called something like yeah, this when you I said did. that Darren Till lost his last fight, that he's fighting for his job essentially. Pretty much. I mean, good on him for for asking for his release rather than being released or it could be is that the equivalent of you can't fire me i quit <laughs> yeah but then that's the thing like if he wants to fight again he has to fight for the ufc so technically you know he's just retiring for maybe he's taking a hiatus who well, knows if, if he, he gets says, out of the he's asking pool. for his release and they grant it i think he's a free agent now oh you might be right so he could go to bellator he could he i thought he was just taking bare a knuckle fighting championship yeah Maybe he should do bare knuckle fighting championship. It kind of seems Dude. to be more his vibe. Yeah, but he, they can't uh, kick. They should just make bare knuckle. They should just make Lethway. <laughs> go with the headbutts and yeah. the fifteen minute rounds. Yeah, no one can watch that shit. <laughs> In yeah, other news, Montana De La Rosa and last weekend's uh, UFC fight night dime piece just fight suffered a wardrobe malfunction and apparently I saw that is, dude. This has been a problem with some of the female fighters uh, complaining to UFC, to the UFC and to Venom, who designs the fight wear, about the, the sports bra structure that they've been given to fight in. And so there have been a number of female fighters that sometimes it doesn't fit right or they're worried about popping out 
of their 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 top, and while they're worrying about popping out of their top, they're vulnerable to getting attacked. In fact, I think that's kind of what happened to De La Rosa. She was so worried about her coming out of her top that her opponent took yeah. her down in the middle yeah. of that exchange. And I mean, it kind of feels like shit. This is the first time I'm hearing about this complaint. But goddamn, wouldn't this be something that if you're designing a fight kit for women that you would really be very attentive about in terms of how to design it? Because like in a sport that involves a lot of tussling and grappling, you just don't want your fighters to have to worry about shit like that. Like her boobs are are huge too, man. So it's like. When I was oh, watching, so you're blaming the victim. I see how it is, Sean. When I, was watching, the when I was watching the fight, even I, my son was actually watching it with me also. And I was like, oh my God. And my wife was actually watching. I was like, oh my God, honey. Her tits about to fucking pull <laughs> so out right there. Your entire family were like checking out the memories. <laughs> Pretty much. You guys. But, but yeah, you know what? You know what though? You know, this is why I love your family. You guys do everything together. Yeah. You know, you go skateboarding together. You check out boobies together. Good for you guys. <laughs> That's a loving family. I like it. I yeah. like it. But you know what I also noticed was during the fight, I did see that uh, the times when there was shots of her from the back of her, like you could see that her, one of her like bra, like clips was disconnected also. So you could uh, see it. So you could see it. Like it was just, and, and usually these girls, I think they wear double, you know, double bras where they, you know, where they try to make sure none of this type None of this happens, but dude, it's it's happening. Especially with the girls maybe with they the should, big boobs. I mean, again, I'm not a female mixed martial artist, but maybe they should let them wear like long sleeve or short sleeve rash guards, like professional grapplers yeah. do. I think you can worry wear about that. popping out and shit. Who who? I think Waterson wore something like that, where she didn't have sleeves or something like that, but it covered. Was she wearing it in the Venom era though? Yeah, it was recently. Like, okay, so maybe they should. Yeah. They, maybe should they just make that the requirement? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Like, you know, again, like, shit, man. The body gets f- super fucking heated when you're fighting. So maybe more clothing could sound like fucking torture to these fighters. But you got to look out for their safety. You got to look out for, yeah, for sure. things. They shouldn't have to worry about wardrobe while you're fucking fighting somebody yeah. is, I think, the, the whole deal. She's super hot, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is this is cool. Um, this is cool. Yeah. But look, let me tell you, if some dude's dick kept falling out of his <laughs> fight shorts yeah. because of the fight kit, that this Put would be a problem that would have been dick away, dude. This is a problem that would have been solved like Quick. ten years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like like Venom, UFC, get your shit together. Your shit okay, together, look out yes. for these fighters, please. Oh, how about this news? What do you think about this? Uh apparently prospect. Sergey Pavlovich is going to be the backup for this weekend's main event fight of John Jones versus Cyril Gaon in case one of those two falls off. Most people are thinking if anyone falls off, it would be Jones for some kind of weird reason. Mm. But what do you think about that? Using uh, Pavlovich for that? Pavlovich. I mean, he was ready to go, you know? Yeah. Just unfortunately, He's dangerous he fell, for either he fell, too. Didn't he fell, would he fall ill or something like that? Who? No, that wasn't Pavlovich that came off the... Um, Remember last weekend's card? There was like a fight that fell off. It was the main event, but that's a different weight class. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a different weight class, though. Yeah, Pavlovich is, he's a savage, man. So we were talking about him, too. And we we're just like, man, yeah. is this guy going to be a problem at heavyweight? He just might be because he's pretty well rounded. But if he fights Jones, though, I don't know. I think it would be a better fight with him against, uh, with Gunn. Against Cyril Gone. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. There is something about the potential God mode shit that 
John Jones can go through, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit we'll later. later. Anything, anything else that came up in the news this week or the past two weeks that caught your eye, Sean? Uh, not really. Just, uh, I don't know if you saw the Jake Paul fight recently. Against, uh, uh, Fury. Tommy Fury. That was Tommy a, Fury. Yeah. What'd you think Split about decision that Decision loss, right? Yeah. I, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, Even a, Jake Paul knew he lost. Yeah, I saw a couple of people saying that, you know, Jake Paul had more rounds. And I was just like, no, no. Like, he really looked like a, a fighter with seven fights. That's for sure. <laughs> See? Oh, so let's go into this little bit of news just to get into the gossipy sort of thing. So we all yeah. know that for the new season of The Ultimate Fighter, it's Michael Chandler uh, versus Conor McGregor. So the word was like a week and a half ago that Connor came to the taping and brought three yeah, fighters of his, his own, own that he wanted on the show. And s- essentially the UFC, they, they kowtowed to him and kicked off three of the fighters that they already casted for the show and put on Connor's fighters. I mean, God damn, what a dick flex move though. I, I mean, heard, I feel fucking bad for yeah. those three. I heard they all, they, uh, they got taken care of. Someone said that they got taken care of. You like, think they got, like, they meaning like I some think, money uh, on the way out? No, I think those people might be on the next few contender series. Okay, so they'll get their shot in one yeah. way or the other. But it's I like, okay, why would you want to go through the, yeah, why would you want to freaking go to the Ultimate Fighter when you could just prove yourself on the fucking contender series? It's much faster if you show out, you know? You don't have to That's be there in for an six all weeks. things be an even kind of world. I think you know that when you're on the Ultimate Fighter and there's the kind of heat that Conor McGregor brings to a television taping that raises your profile at a, at a different level than being on the Contender Series. Yeah. Just in terms of being in the culture, not in terms of the quality of like coaching or the quality of the show that you're on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, there might be something missing in terms of that. But I think you, I, you know, I didn't think of it that way. You have a good point, Sean. You might have a good point. Maybe maybe those three guys are just like, hey, fuck it. Cool. <laughs> I, don't have see, to, I don't have to live in yeah. this house with a bunch of strangers yeah. for like nine weeks. But fuck these guys. Did you see the, uh, did you see the footage of uh, Connor and uh, Wonder Boy? I guess Wonder Boy's he just stopped by, I guess, to help the guys during the taping and stuff like that. I saw a photo that you posted. Um, again, that they took a picture together. Yeah, man, Connor is looking big. He's looking juicy. <laughs> like his head looks like a third bigger than it was back <laughs> when he was active fighting. <laughs> he kind of looks like a say? thumb. Does he, he look looks like, like a he, thumb? Has a, he has a bigger head? Yeah, like his neck is disappearing. That's yeah, that's that's what it was. His neck it looks like a pack like of hot dogs. His neck is like the same width as the top of his head. Now <laughs> it's like weird. It looks like Juggernaut uh, from the uh, X Men. He's yeah. doing, he's like got two, he's using two iron necks to rehab his injuries or something. I don't know what's going on. With I that can't guy. wait to see this one fucking ultimate fighter. It's going to be so good. I I wonder, like sometimes I wonder if some of these guys overdo the douchebag because dude. the television cameras are on. I don't know. To, it's just, it's going to be, be so disappointing. <laughs> Speaking of uh, well, ultimate fire, do you remember when uh, Gabe Rudiger, uh, Ralph Gracie, uh, Alumni made it till the Ultimate Fighter. Dave Rudiger, that that name totally sounds familiar. Gabe, sorry, Gabe Rudiger. Sorry, Gabe. It's not Dave. It's Gabe. Gabe Rudiger. Rudiger? Yeah. Why does that sound familiar? Damn, because he was. Yeah, look it up uh, later on. But uh, he's alumni. He's he's from Ralph Gracie, San Francisco. (laughs) 
<coughs> Excuse me. Oh. Wait, so he's going to be on this uh, season's? No, no, no. He, he he was just an alumni. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just mentioning right. the Bay Area guys that, you know, made it okay. through. Got to give the Bay Area love. All right, then. So let's jump into it. Guys, we're skipping the recap this week because I know you don't want to hear that shit right now because there's yeah, too you much guys, that we you missed. All you dick writers just want to hear about John Jones versus you. Uh, yeah, you guys just want to tweak his nipples and write his head. No, uh, okay. UFC 285 at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas this mm. Saturday, March 4th. Okay. Main event for the heavyweight title, John Jones versus Cyril Ghosn. John Jones opening as a minus 165 favorite. Cyril Ghosn, a plus 140 underdog. So not that different right here. Sean, how do you see this fight unfolding? What are you looking forward to? And what is your call? I'm looking forward to seeing how John Jones handles Cyril Ghosn's uh, kickboxing pedigree. Uh, mm. John Jones, you know, he's fought the best of the best, fought Muay Thai fighters, fought wrestlers, fought everything. You know, he's never really lost to be honest and the only loss that he really does have is that matt hamill uh thing where he illegally hit him or something like that but right uh, right john jones has been tested he's been i mean he's considered the goat like he's he's fought dc after a night of like going out and doing a bunch of blow <laughs> um i feel like john jones you think we're you think we're exaggerating yeah yeah john no, jones that's, that's has been real. It as much <laughs> I feel like John Jones is, you know what he's going to do is he's going to get a taste of what the striking is like. And then if he can't, I, I'm sure he has a few game plans in mind, but he can't, if he can't strike with them, he's going to definitely shoot. And once he gets them down, I mean, Cyril Gunn, you know, he hasn't really fought anyone with uh, that type of grappling prowess. I mean, the best grappler he's fought was Francis Ngannou, which, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, we saw that fight. And uh, if Francis Ngannou can do that to Cyril Ghosn, John Jones is going to have, you know, like a play date with this guy. And, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about Cyril Ghosn's training. You know, he's gotten a lot famous, especially since he's won, you know, the interim title. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. where his head is right now. Uh, him and his manager slash trainer, you know, they've, they, I think they run this organization out there in France called Ares or Aris or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It's like a feeder league uh, from fans. Uh, France over to the UFC, I guess. But, you know, John Jones has been training. It looks like he's been training pretty hard. And, you know, his body has transformed him to a, a heavyweight. It, you know, he's not packing on that much muscle. But you could tell, man, like he's he's huge. And Yeah, he's walking around at 240 yeah. is the report. You know, there's also, uh, I think there's a stat that says John Jones has the longest reach in the UFC. You know, even more than... Um, the seven foot tall Mr. What was his name again? God, I already oh, uh, I, oh, that guy from a while ago. But you're right. Like uh, John Jones, his reach right now, 84 and a half inches. Yeah, I hear he has a long Cyril Gons, Yeah, Cyril Gons reach is 81 inches. Yeah. So even though uh, John Jones is moving up, he, uh, he's the one moving up. He still has a reach advantage. John Jones, again, like I talked about, 240 pounds. Yeah. Cyril Gon walking around about 247. And so this is kind of like, you yeah. know, so it's not like a big, big difference right over here. When we talk about significant strikes. It's interesting comparing them. So like, just remember when I read these off to you guys, this is taking from John Jones as a light heavyweight because this yeah. fight against Cyril Gaon will be his first one at heavyweight. 
In terms of strikes landed per minute, John Jones is at 4.3, while Cyril Gons at 5.11. Percentage of significant strikes landed, John Jones is at 57%, while Cyril Gons 59%. And when you talk about the defense of, absor of strikes absorbed per minute, John Jones is at 2.22, Cyril Gons 2.25, and they both hover at 62, 64% in terms of their defense. So when you talk about the striking aspect numbers wise it looks like it's a push yeah you know what i'm saying so where you would feel the fight with twist is exactly where i think you're talking about sean with the grappling uh yeah takedown average per 15 minutes john jones 1.85 takedown accuracies at 44 percent where but cyril gone's takedown defense is at 55 percent yeah but he was never tested though that it never really tested yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, as you age out, you shoot a little bit less. Uh, True. And John Jones is never big on, like, necessarily, like, power doubles. Usually he, he traps you in a standing clinch and then takes you down from there. Foot trips, leg sweeps, things like that. Um, so it'll be very interesting. I'm going to go with John Jones here because I think okay. even in the striking, something about the way he's built, it just seems like he hurts you every time he touches you in any, any sort of way. Just seems to have the physics on his side with that, so I'm gonna say uh, TKO stoppage round three. John Ooh. Jones. I'm gonna go with Jones. Also, I say he gets he stops Cyril Gon uh, under three. I'd say uh, either submission or TKO. Nice, nice man. I'm looking at these stats. They're like they're really kind of matched up. Like they both have won by KO or TKO by about around 43, 45%. They both won by submission by 26, 27%. About 30% of their wins were by decision. And each of them are average fight time is right around 15, 16 minutes. So numbers wise, they match up pretty evenly, even though stylistically you're looking at two different fighters here. Yeah. John Jones being the more complete, I think. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right. But again, that's what's going to make this very compelling is just that complete skill set. Will it transfer to heavyweight? Yeah. And so we see there's only one way to find out, it's just tune in. How do you think his gas tank holds up carrying all that muscle now? I think John Jones was never even at light heavyweight, he was never a blitzing type of fighter. He seemed to always know how to kind of pace himself and ride a rhythm that he could sustain for five rounds. Yeah. So unless Cyril gone has gone through some kind of a different type of approach where he's going to force John Jones to kind of run from him and kind of fight at a rhythm that he's not used to. I don't, I don't think John Jones is going to fall into that kind of trap. Yeah, I agree. What do you think about the co-main event? This one's, very interesting for a number of reasons. Agreed. Women's flyweight title about the return of the champion Valentina Shevchenko, who in her last title defense looked very mortal. And she will be defending against the number six flyweight Alexa Grosso from Mexico. Um, hotty alert, of course, yeah. as, as Sean would say. Yeah. <laughs> Can Don't I just say fight. this before I get into your analysis, Sean? Yeah. Uh, Alexa Grosso is a plus 530 underdog. It's not a bad bet right there. It's like, that might be the value bet. Yeah. Valentina Shevchenko minus 730 favorites. <laughs> I mean, geez, Vegas must know something. They're just not giving oh Alexa God. a lot of credit over here. You bet 100, you, you win $14 or something like that. 
<laughs> bro. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think? How do you feel this mm. fight is going to unfold? I mean, the odds. You could see the odds, and you could see that Valentina's super heavily favored. And, you know, Valentina's, she kind of has that Anderson Silva vibe about her right now. There was She's kind of unstoppable. Mm. Uh, every person that they put in front of her, including, you know, her last fight where she did have a little bit of trouble, but everyone's kind of looked past that already. I think uh, some people might be thinking her last fight may be harder than this fight. But Alexa Grasso, man, she's really come a long way with her striking. Like, she was able to strike with the best of them in uh, 115 and in, in 125. As soon as she moved up, uh, her power actually started to kind of show a little bit. Her grappling has come a long way as well. So I think this is probably going to be her best uh, way towards the win. Um, Valentina has shown that once she gets taken down, she can't scramble to get up. But uh, against some of the higher level grapplers, she, I, you know, she has been in trouble. But she's never is really Alexa been stopped. Grasso one of those higher level people that could hold Valentina down? You know, it's one of those things where Alexa Grasso, I've doubted her so many times. And, you know, when she first came from the LFA, you know, I was kind of interested in she, you know, she's super hot. So I was like, oh, you know, she's super hot. <laughs> I don't know if she's going to be able to, to, to do well, but, you know, she's proved everyone wrong. Like she's gone through her losses and she's headlined a card. So she checks all the boxes. Um, it's just, do you think, she, if she gets her down, do you think she keeps Valentina down and does she have enough uh, in her to to get a submission? So Alexa Grosso's takedown accuracy is at 57%. It's pretty good. But Valentina's takedown defense is at 70%. Ooh. So it's going to be, especially, you know, it's not like Alexa Grasso is not naturally bigger than Valentina. So it, if she's going to get a takedown, it's going to be some, it's going to be some fucking work mm. to get her down and probably keep her down as well. And you got to believe that at this stage in her career, Valentina looked at her last performance against Tyler Santos, saw like what it looked like her being stuck at the bottom of a fighter, even though she was very active there. And she, you got to think that was something that she worked on in terms of just yeah. working on sweeps, working on sitting up into a single leg, creating a scramble and getting into a position that just looks better for the judges. So to take away some of the, what some would think would be the controversy around the decision for her win. Um, when you look at the, the striking statistics for both of these fighters, let me just shout some numbers at you. Valentina Shevchenko is averaging a 3.19 significant strikes landed per minute but Alexa Grasso not bad 5.14 landed per minute she knows how to uh, use volume attacks but when it comes to significant strikes uh, percentage wise Valentina is 52% whereas Alexa Grasso is 44% and Valentina landed. she's just had way more fights too you know yeah way more and then when we, fights too and here yeah you're, you're right and then here, and this is where I think the fight might turn, absorbed per minute with Valentina Shevchenko, you know when you fight, when you find her, when you find any of her fights and you watch them, you can see how she's able to control the distance with her front leg, use of the side kicks, look with the quick round kicks, absorbed per minute 1.9, yeah. okay? But Alexa Grasso, uh, she some. absorbs 4.02 uh, strikes per minute. And so this is where I think she's going to lose it. And yeah. this is where I think Shevchenko is going <clears> to <throat> outpoint her for five rounds. So I'm, I'm going to go Shevchenko a five-round decision. 
I'm going to say uh, Shevchenko finishes her third round. Third round. Okay. All right. I think, I, like, I tell me what you think. Do you think Shevchenko's about reach about to reach that point where the age is starting to show? I think so. Uh, That's one of the things I was yeah. thinking about when her, with her fight against Santos, when it just looked like, man, Santos is just so strong. Yeah. What do you think? I think the uh, grappling exchanges, it's really going to tell you a lot. Like, even mm-hmm. though she can, she has great takedown defense, uh, that's one thing. But when she does mm-hmm. get put down, you know, she has a little bit of trouble in those weird, like, like all of a sudden you're on her back. It's like that, that's not supposed to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right. Dude, this Any card is other- fucking stacked, by the way. It's it's not bad, you know. Well, shout out for me, but point out a matchup that you're you're looking forward to. Um, I'm looking on the main card or in the prelims. Tell tell me what you're looking for. I like. I'll I'll start it off, and okay. you let me know. The, the odds haven't come out for it yet, but right. you've talked about the high level wrestler that came out of the contender series, Bo Nickel Ooh. at middleweight. He's going to be on the main card. Damn! Straight this, off the fucking. Contender yeah, series. Yeah, out of his contender series, he's fighting uh, Jamie Pickett. I think this was a, a this, late replacement too. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, so Bo Nickel is his professional MMA record. It's three and zero. Well, Jamie Pickett is thirteen and eight. Uh, but the the big story win. with Bo Nickel coming out of the contender series is the high wrestling pedigree and accomplishments that he. The, the wrestling background that he came from is just top of the top. And so people were just super excited to see if what he can do with that wrestling, transfer it to the MMA arena. And so far, it's equaled success. So he's going to get a test here a little bit against uh, Jamie Pickett. What do you mm-hmm. think? You know, I think this is kind of maybe a, a gimme. F- I don't think this is the one where it was a late replacement. I'm talking about the uh, Cody uh, Cody Garbrandt and Trevin Jones. I think Trevin Jones oh, okay. is a late replacement. But... um. Yeah, I think Bo Nichols being fed uh, a sacrificial lamb. Because, <laughs> I mean, Jamie Pickett's, okay. you know, Jamie Pickett's good. It's, you know, 13 and well, 8. Well, let's, let, you might be, you might be onto something. Because when you look at the grappling numbers, I mean, I know we're talking Bo Nickel only has three professional MMA yeah, but fights. He's a collegiate but his takedown accuracy is 100%. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. That's yeah. just like, uh, that means every time he's trying to take you down, he's hit it. Yeah, he is not. He is not missed on a takedown. So we know where where he's going. So yeah, and when you want to look at the striking aspect of it, you know, striking is not bad. Seventy percent landing rate for his significant strikes. Although Jamie Pickett lands at a fifty percent rate, but absorbed per minute officially, Bo Nichols at zero. Absorbed zero significant strikes. For fifty for fifteen minutes, um, or per minute, excuse me. Whereas Jamie Pickett's absorbed four point thirty six, and when it comes to significant strikes, right now Bo Nichols' defense is rated at one hundred percent. So what, let's tell you what we're talking That's about here, Sean. Is that it seems nobody's been able to hit Bo Nickel. So it'd be interesting to see what what happens if Pickett's able to hit like with one like. Like knee. uppercut as Nickel comes in, or if yeah. he comes in and ju- dude, if I'm Jamie Pickett, I'm running across the stage and I'm trying to fly a knee oh, yeah. right off the bat. You'll figure this guy's gonna take me down anyway. I'm gonna try to get something. Mm-hmm. That's that middleweight too. Good lord, two fucking Ugh. big dudes. Yeah, so you might be right here. What what other fights are you looking forward to? Looking on this card, forward dude? to 
Jeff Neal versus Shavkat. Man, Shavkat. Rachmanov. Oh. I, I, I don't know, man. That, that he is a big favorite. Rock, uh, Rachmanov is a minus 490 favorite. But Jeff Neal, who's a, who's a fucking fighter, man? He's plus great, great fighter. 390 underdog. Uh, Walter Waite. This is going to be a rough one, though. It this will. is going to be a rough ride for Jeff Neal. But Jeff Neal's talking like with a lot of confidence. I mean, it looks like he's putting the work, but Rachmanov, uh, I mean, as much as we've seen, we didn't see much, we haven't seen a lot because he's so dominant. Uh, mm-hmm. But he can grapple his ass off. I'm wondering if he's going to grapple uh, Jeff Neal. Well, over grapple here's what's interesting. Like, you know, Jeff Neal's takedown accuracy is at 44%. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we were talking down, about though. absolutely untouchable. Rachmanov's takedown defense is rated at 100%. So what you're saying is that everybody who's ever tried to take uh, Rachmanov down has failed. 16. You know how tiring that is? You know, you shoot in, you shoot in, you shoot in, you clinch in, clinch in, you're trying to take someone down, they don't go. God damn, I don't know. It's not looking good for Jeff Neal. No. I would take it into a striking, try to make this into a striking oh, fight. Yeah. But, but even the with that, is, the problem is, is that Jeff Neal absorbs 5.28 significant strikes per minute, whereas Rachmanov only absorbs 1.39. So it's not like we're talking about an, an even push on the strikes either. So, ah, man, it's going to be a hard night for Jeff, man. Yeah. I like that he's coming in with the confidence, though. You know, these fighters, they got to tell them tell themselves a story. What about the uh, the lightweight fight right under that? The Mateus Gram- uh, Gamrot versus Jalen the Tarantula Turner. Mateus Gamrot opening is a minus 205 favorite. Jalen Turner, plus 175. Uh, Gamrot with a little bit of the experience. Uh, advantage 21-2 and two versus Jalen Turner's 13-5. and five. Gamrot coming off a loss, whereas Jalen Turner is coming off of a win. But the uh, height advantage to Jalen Turner, That's 6'3", a scary thing. over Gamrot's 5'10". Because you already know. Who do you what, think? Who do you, who do you think wins this? I think Gamrot's going to shoot, shoot, and shoot. Jalen has to be smart, man. Like, he has to stop him in his tracks. But I think uh, I think Jalen's going to, I think, hopefully, I don't know. Yeah, Gam- I'll, I'll Gamrot's going to gonna turn Turner. this into a grind, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. Because Jalen Turner, like, like 69% of his wins are by K or TKO. So you're talking about yeah. somebody who's going to fucking want to put hands on you. Yep. And he's and he's at like 6.48 significant strikes landed per minute. We're talking yeah. about Jalen Turner over here. And Gamrot, he's at a 3.34 significant strikes strikes absorbed per minute. But at with a 61% defense, Gamrot's not going to be an easy target for Turner. Mm. And then when you talk about like takedown, but it's interesting. You know, we talked about takedown accuracy. Jalen Turner lands at 80% on his takedowns. That's crazy. But Gamrot is 90% on his takedown defense. Yeah, he's not taking Gamrot down so, at all. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Any other fight? Oh, be- there's another uh, dime piece fight. Viviani Araujo <laughs> versus my ex-wife, Amanda, Amanda Hibas. <laughs> ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a kind of a pick because uh, Viviana Araujo is a plus 100, whereas Amanda Ribas is only a minus 120 favorite. Who do you got for this one? And this is fought you at know, flyweight, guys. I feel like Amanda Hibas kind of falls in love with her own boxing, and she kind of gets hit too much. And if, mm. if you get hit by Viviani Araujo, uh, Araujo, dude, she hits like a fucking truck. So I think Amanda Hibas probably gets finished here. Probably TKO yeah. first round. Yeah. 
Whoa, really? Well, if we're talking about the strikes, back. she comes running back to me. Well, <laughs> you know, um, Amanda Rebez is a significant strike defense is rated at 70%. So it's pretty good because yeah. her absorbed per minute is only 2.57, whereas Viviane Arau is 5.33 per minute. Uh, and in terms of significant strikes landed, Viviane is at 4.82, while Amanda Rebez is 4.46. I don't know. I'll give Rebus a, I think I'll give Rebus the shot over here. They're okay. both pretty even when it comes to the graph grappling. Both of them are about 48, 47% on takedown accuracy. Both of them around 90% on their takedown defense. Uh, I think I'll go with Amanda Rebus on this one. Bet. Yeah. Okay. To get tequila. Nice. I like it on the rocks with All the right. lime, please. You guys heard it here. <laughs> I don't know how far behind I am on these bets, guys. I know. <laughs> how about the return of Ian Gary? Where's he been? Dude, I don't know where he's been. But but there's been. A, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but he, the, the, that guy is really good. I think didn't he come oh. off the? Uh, God, what was his story? Ian Gary. Ian Gary. He's ten. No fuck. But speaking of returns, the uh, on the early prelims, Jessica Penne versus oh, yeah. Tabitha Ricci it's at uh, women's strawweight. Ricci is a minus 300 favorite, while Jessica Penne plus 250 underdog. That's a good um, She could, she could, I mean, Jessica Penne, like her submissions are good. I don't know if she gets Yeah, in but on she's coming off a loss, Ricci. and Ricci's coming off a win. Yeah. Oh, shit. Furry but I think, uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Penne is like a natural, bigger, bigger fighter, though. Yeah, she's like a 25. Oh, no, but then she was a champ at like 15, I think. Or no, uh, Adam Waite. Way long time mm -hmm. ago. Way long, like another lifetime ago. Yeah. Another lifetime ago. Well, that's this weekend's fight card, UFC 285. Guys, let us know on our social media what fights you're looking forward to. There's a lot. Hit us too. up on our social. Let us know like who you're betting on, why you think our analysis is amazing or shitty. We enjoy the feedback. We, we enjoy the back and forth. Yeah, please. We need that. We need that. We need that connection. Like, Yes, please. <laughs> we love your questions too, guys. So, you know. And don't forget to check out uh, One Friday Fights. This is there one this week? Friday again. <laughs> I think there's another one, isn't there? Is there? There's not? Let's oh, see. man. <laughs> there, there's so many that happen. I just keep missing it. Yes, there's one. One Friday Fights All this right. Friday at Lumpany Boxing Stadium in Bangkok. Again, again if you guys have. Um, they, they put it up on their YouTube channel. They're really good about that. So check it out. And uh, what out, else? What you got going on the fucking, rest of your week, Sean? Shout out to the fucking man, Taiwan Chai, for fucking finishing a motherfucker with leg kicks. Oh, last week. Oh, and that wasn't even, like, it was like 40 seconds into the fight, right? Yeah. You just threw that leg kick and collapsed him? God damn. That's the way we always picture ourselves throwing leg kicks that we think that we could drop anybody with one leg kick. Don't you don't you picture that about yourself, day, Sean? Dude. Like it's like every time I throw a leg kick, I feel like I could take anybody down. I think he and even then, kicked the Russian. Then you see Taiwan Chai doing, you're like, oh, I'm not I that know. strong. <laughs> or you see like a Taiwan Chai or a Nongo land leg kicks, and you're just like, I am just not that explosive or strong. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this weekend, uh, I'm just gonna be really excited for these fights. I think I might even have like a like one of my homies is gonna come over and we're gonna watch it, but. uh just moving all my stuff. Uh, we're supposed to be out of here by the 5th. So uh, we already started moving our shit. And I hate moving. 
fuck. Dude, it's always a chore, like putting shit away and then you go to your new spot and then having to take it out. It's probably going to one of those situations that shit's going to stay in your boxes for a couple months before you even think about opening it up, right? Yeah. Well, the good you're thing, so exhausted at just moving everything. The good thing is we, you know, we're purging a lot. Like we started selling a bunch of stuff on um, Facebook Marketplace. Dude, people buy the shit okay. up like crazy. So we're actually making money. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, hey, that's, I'm glad you're making that money because I really like expensive tequila. There you go. When you buy me my drink for winning my bet. Yeah. I'm going to win. <laughs> How about you? What you up to this weekend? Well, like I mentioned uh, earlier, hopefully I could get in some nice solid jujitsu training this weekend. This Saturday is belt promotions for Hapkido. So we got some kids and some adults testing for their next belt. So good luck to all of you. We're looking forward to, nice. to that. Looking forward to promoting some hardworking martial artists, uh, getting them on their goals to black belt. So that's what's going on with me this week, man. Nice. I want to give a shout out to Magala Jiu-Jitsu. They're celebrating their four-year anniversary. I think today is hey, actual congratulations, day. guys. Uh, they're going to be throwing in an event at the gym on March 19, I think. It's a Sunday. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's invite only, but I, he doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. So uh, go there if you want to. Um, <laughs> But uh, congratulations to Travis. I'm here to see Sean. Who the fuck is Sean? (laughs) Congratulations to the Magala Jiu-Jitsu team and Travis as well. Congratulations, you guys. Yeah, that's going to do it for us today, guys. And uh, don't forget to uh, hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and everybody else. uh, And don't forget to follow us on our social media. Mine is Sean underscore Pierre underscore. And yours, Carlo? I'm Hopkey1 on Instagram. Don't forget to check out Magala Jiu-Jitsu out in San Francisco, Fight Culture at Top of the Hill, J- uh, Daily City, uh, Omni Movement out there in Hercules. I'm at Hapkido USA. We're with Colhaldo Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and our Golden Pizza Muay Thai team here in San Francisco. And also shout out to Pacific Ring Sports in Oakland. And also hey. shout out to Wooden Man Muay Thai hey. uh, down in downtown San Francisco. Last weekend, they hosted a fundraiser for Norpol Fairtex so that uh, he could raise money. His, his father recently passed away. So the old Fairtex family got together to do the seminar, raise money for Norpol so he could send money to his family in Thailand and help them out. So shout out to uh, Wooden Man, to Norpol and all the old old heads of the old Fairtex crew coming out and sharing their Muay Thai knowledge last weekend with all of us. John Jones is fighting this weekend, guys. It's almost like Manny Pacquiao fighting, huh? No? Yeah, no. <laughs> Probably not. But uh, watch the fights. Make sure you guys bet on our picks and uh, give us a 2% cut. Yeah. And don't worry. If you lose 2% of zero is zero, you lose nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold out there, guys. Stay warm. Peace. Peace.